iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Okay, here we go. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Apple Store Soho. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing all right. All right. Not bad. I like it. Good energy. Good vibe. Back row. All right, let's do one more. Back row, how are you guys doing tonight? Back row, you good? We had a request for the back row. I like to honor those requests. Awesome. Well, welcome, guys. We're going to have a good time tonight. We're doing a bunch of cool stuff here. Back-to-back -back amazing events. Kicking it off with a bang. There's a good vibe in the room. I feel like a great time's about to happen. Now, before we jump into that great time, like I said, Tribeca's been happening all week. It's been amazing. Uh, how many people have been to an event here this week just for Tribeca? Did you guys come out here before? A couple of people, yeah? Right? We've been doing some fun stuff. Well, today, again, no separate. It's Tribeca time. So we partner up every year with a group of really cool people over at a company called IndieWire. And before we start, I wanted to bring out a guest from IndieWire to tell you a little bit about that, tell you about the festival. So make them feel welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, Basil from IndieWire. Thanks a lot. <clears throat> so uh, I want to say thanks to Tribeca for working with us and also the Apple Store Soho. We've been doing this for a number of years. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, IndieWire, IndieWire.com is your online source for independent film news. We cover film festivals, filmmakers, releases all year long. We publish every single day. Check, take a look out for that, IndieWire.com, um, published multiple times a day. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Eric Cohn from IndieWire, and tonight's guests, Deborah Chow, Zach Braff, and Isabel Blay. Hey, everybody. So, uh, Zach, I think a lot of people here are familiar with you, either from maybe Scrubs Hi. or Garden State. Um, it's my first Q&A in an open store. <laughs> Just pretend all that's not there. Okay, well. <laughs> uh, but, but this is not a cheery movie. It's, it's very different from you. And uh, Deborah's a first-time feature director. And I'm curious to know how you wound up being involved with a project like this. Um, very simply, Deborah wrote an amazing script. Um, I, I often, re I was looking after doing eight and a half years of uh, super broad comedy to do something completely different. Um, in my own film, Garden State, and in a couple other movies I've made since then, I they, they, they were you know laughs in them and, and and drama in them, but I had not done anything nearly this dramatic, and so I really was looking for that. And uh, I, I read Deborah's script, and I was just blown away by it. Oftentimes, you read a script and, and you say to yourself, I, I think in a couple drafts this will be really good, but when I read her script, I just thought it was fantastic, and I and I was really honored that she was interested in me, and I I, I wanted to do whatever I could to be involved. It's a very specific story about two people sort of fall into this awkward situation through happenstance. Did, did you come from some sort of personal experience with this, or was it uh, just sort of occurred to you? Um, fortunately, you know, if you know the basic plot of the story, it was not personal experience. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, the original idea actually came from my, my sister was pregnant at the time, and I just remember there was so much sort of hoopla and all this attention, you know, and her life was changing with being pregnant. And I just thought, what happens if you lose that? Like, does it destroy your life? And that was sort of the beginning of the story of, for where it went from there. And this is your first feature as a writer and director. So once you had that idea, I mean, at what point did you decide that this was going to be your first, uh, your first feature attempt? Um, I went to, I actually went to film school in New York. So I was, I started the script in New York. Um, I went to Columbia and... I knew that I was definitely going to go back to Canada for the first feature. Um, so I started actually with Montreal as my setting, and that actually gave rise to a lot of elements in the story. Uh, and then 
basically it was about five years from the time I started it to the time I made it, you know, so the script went through quite a lot of drafts. Um, but I think, you know, probably after about two years of working on the script, it became clear, like, this is definitely going to be what I'm pursuing to do as my first feature. Right. And, and for the two of you guys, I mean, it is a very basic movie in the sense that it relies on a chemistry between you two. Uh, Zach, your character knows something about uh, what's happened to this woman that she doesn't know, and she has certain assumptions about your character. So at what point did you guys read this script and decide that that sort of dynamic was appealing to you? I don't really understand the, dy the, 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 the dynamic of our relationship was interesting to us. I mean, I think that was, uh, again, it goes back, it was all in the writing. It's a, it's a very, it's a hard movie to talk about for those of you who haven't seen it because it, it has a lot of reveals in it and, uh, and you don't want to ruin any of that for the, for the audience. But we're, we're both strangers. What we can say simply is that we're strangers who meet after a, a horrific car accident. And um, I, I, I think, um, the, her, again, Deborah's writing dealt with it in such a delicate way. It, it could so easily have gone maudlin, um, and, and she found a really great um, uh, balance of, of, of dealing with it. And um, I'm sorry, I'm speaking The way the, the, uh, the, uh, the relation is built, it, that's what is appealing for, for an actor. It's so, you know, the situation is, uh, like you said, awkward. It's an accident. And... So they meet, and she doesn't know who he is, but he's responsible for you know what's happening. And she, but she doesn't know she 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 doesn't know, and that's why she can you know actually um, met him and know him better. Because other than that, if she knows, uh, there's no story. But well, what I meant was to say it's a very delicate. Story. I mean, it's really about these two people interacting in a very unique way because of the way that information is revealed, like you said, over the course of the plot of the movie. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, did you guys work closely together to generate that on your own, or was that were you more taking cues from your director in that regard? Well, uh, you know, we know. In the, one thing that helps is we we didn't we shot the movie very quickly. I was only on the movie fifteen days. Uh, we shot in, in Montreal. It was a lo low budget movie, and um, we obviously didn't know each other. It helps in the movie, of course, uh, that we weren't playing best friends forever. We are strangers who meet. So, you know, Isabel and I met one or two times before we started shooting. But that that really, in in a sense, helped because we we were as a, you know as, as almost shy and awkward around each other as uh, as the characters. You know, a lot of times in a movie you have to just dive in and be like, okay, you guys are best friends. Uh, you know each other for your whole life. You know that would have been harder in the situation when we were just like, hey, nice to meet you. Okay, let's let's just dive in. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, from the first scene of this movie where we see you driving this car, you know unshaven and dealing pills and things like that. I mean, it's, it's sort of like a shock for anyone who's, who, who knows you from, from these other roles that you've done. Um, and I just was wondering, I mean, where do you go to create a character like that? Well, that's really me. I'm a pill popper. It's a I documentary. Wear, I usually wear leather, and uh, I rarely shave. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, I think... It's a, it's a really hokey analogy, but it's the one I always use, so bear with me. I, I, th I think of it l l acting is different, turning up you know, like a mixing board and turning up different uh, volumes on different aspects of your personality. So we all have, you know, I should say, I'll speak for myself, I have a, a lot of super goofy, nerdy energy that I can crank way up, and that works for, for yeah, oh yeah, believe it or not. For, uh, that works for scrubs, you know? 
and uh, and then then we all have uh, other aspects of our personality: the sadness, the the um, things that that um, make us feel lonesome and isolated. And for this, it, for my challenge in, th in doing this role was turning down all the all the things I'm, uh, I've I've become so used to doing the sort of go-to comedic moves, even the go-to dramatic instincts, and 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 for me, turn up the 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 quiet. Um, introspective part of myself and, and, and try and do as little as possible. Um, that's it. The, the real, the real uh, prep I did was I had never really smoked a cigarette except like a couple of days in middle school when I thought I was cool. So, and, I, and I have a pet peeve when I see a movie and it looks like someone's like, they're supposed to be a chain smoker and it looks like they learned that morning. So I went online and got these uh, herbal cigarettes that you know, they don't have any nicotine in them. And I, I was walking around New York City, you know, you know watching people smoke, but really watching them for the first time, you know, learning how to light a cigarette in the wind and, you know, doing all the tricks. So, um, so that was my, my, my big preparation was learning to smoke. That's some serious method acting. Thank man. you. Uh, Isabel, how about for you? I mean, you, you also play a very sort of sad character who goes through these dark events, but from a totally different angle. I mean, you have, you're in this stable relationship with another person and what happens in the movie, I don't know how much you're comfortable <laughs> revealing, but uh, basically what happens has a deep effect on that relationship in addition to the one that you form with Zach's character. So, I mean, do, did you work out all of those intricacies yourself? I mean, what was your, your approach? Well, um, my way of working sometimes is just, uh, you know, I'm I read the script and then I let, I'll let it, you know, stand for a while and then I dream about it and think about it and I'm just you know um, I don't know, just think about it and imagine myself in the situation and you know I keep reading after a while and then uh, and for the for the, the this character I had to work both in French and English because my first language is French so I have some scenes with uh, my boyfriend that are in French and Others are. I had to work in my English a little bit, and so that was a uh, for me. I had to work on that a little bit, and uh, you know, being pregnant, I, I just um, I just had this uh, amazing experience a year before the shooting, actually. So I, uh, I had a little boy a year before, so I was really in this, into the, in that spirit of being a mother and or not being a mother, <laughs> almost and. Um, so uh, it was really fresh in my mind uh, how it is to be, have a big belly and you know how it is you know technically to have that and uh, emotionally it's very dark and it's very uh, heavy and uh, my big you know work uh, my big challenge in, in the the story was to um, you know to balance the uh, this you know the sadness and we were keeping joking <laughs> with which degree this time two or three or four or seven because it's it was just all a question of uh, you know of balance in the in the in the emotions and so and were you surprised with the just how dark the movie came out i mean it it's a it's a sad story but it also seems like that you know each scene is there's like the serious sadness that's weighing and down everybody in the in the picture um well i mean it was obviously not like light comedy to start with <laughs> in the script i actually i mean for me i guess i'm maybe too close to it i don't see it as being that dark actually and i think one of the things that zach brought to the script you know brought to the project actually that really wasn't in the script is he brought you know, sort of a real levity and charm to it, to the character that I think really made the character more three-dimensional. You know, I think 
I, I could have, you know, in another version of this movie, I could have cast a very dark and brooding actor, and then I think it would have been so dark and heavy that it would have been sort of unbearable. Um, so I don't know, for me, the ultimate, you know, there are, there are some lighter moments in the film, and sort of the ultimate message is really, um, you, know, you know, bad things happen, such as accidents or whatnot, but you've got to go on living, and that there are good things in life to live mm -hmm. for. Um, so for me, it's like, I think ultimately it's, it's the two characters do go on to sort of better lives, so. It's very easy to write a likable character these days. I mean, you just need to create some sort of hero with a mission and, and let him reach that point in time. And in this movie, it's almost like the opposite. It's like, this is a guy who does some stuff wrong, and then he keeps doing stuff wrong. And somehow you stick with him the whole time. And I, I just can't imagine what it's like to write a character like that and not become, you know, so pissed off at them that you have to sort of leave it alone. Um, I think my, my main point, particularly with Zach's character, was I was trying to write a character that was essentially a moral shade of gray. Um, you know, I wanted to write someone who, you know, he, you're, we're all capable of sort of doing bad things, but it doesn't mean we're bad people, you know, just because we've done one bad thing. So I was really trying with his character to write a character that was, you'd be conflicted about, that you'd feel, sometimes you'd really love him and sometimes you'd really hate him. And I think, you know, I think it's Zach's performance that he really gets the range of, you know, I, I, you know, we've had a lot of comments at the screenings where people, even despite sort of what his character does, they still love him. And I think that's sort of one of the most interesting things about his character is that it's so conflicted. Right. So this is a movie with a very distinctive look. It's got a lot of handheld camera work, and it plays with light and shadow in very interesting ways. Can you tell us a little bit about how you developed that, working with your DP and so forth? Um, sure. Uh, part of, I mean, there's two sort of things going on with the aesthetic. Obviously, you know, when you're low budget and you've got 20 days, handheld makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, so that's definitely one of the reasons. Um, but really with the aesthetic, I think, you know, I was trying to use a lot of locations in Montreal and in the city that were sort of really real to the characters and places that they would really go. And I wanted it to be a little bit gritty. You know, obviously Chinatown, the look of that is, it's pretty gritty. Um, you know, so I didn't want it to be too squeaky clean. So I, we were really trying to sort of get a, a little bit of a rougher aesthetic and, and have it look sort of really reflective, actually, of the feel of those places in the city. And speaking of budget, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't look like a super expensive movie, but it doesn't look like you spent nothing on it either. So can you talk a little bit about... $100 million. <laughs> so around the Spider-Man range. <laughs> can yeah, you I think it was more like $10, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's tough. I think, you know, we had 20 days to shoot it. It's, it was really fast, you know. Uh, so mostly I think we, the main thing that I was trying to do is just use those days to my utmost. So I did a lot of prep work, you know, I storyboarded everything um, and just tried to, you know, because I think when you don't have the money or the time, if something goes wrong, there is no contingency. So, you know, what we tried to do is just sort of be as prepared as possible. So I worked with the DP a lot. We went to all the locations so that by the time we were actually on the shoot, the minute we got there, we didn't have to talk. She knew what she was doing. I knew what was, I was doing. We just went our separate ways and, and got everything going as quickly as possible. So we'll go to questions in a minute. Zach, I'm curious to know, uh, this is really, I, I think, the, one of your first movies since Scrubs was officially canceled last year. First, so I mean, it's it's an interesting direction for you for reasons you said at the beginning. But I'm curious to know now that you're not involved in a TV show for a big portion of each year. I mean, is this the sort of direction you want to go? You know, working with these smaller projects. And well, I I just want to go where there's really good stuff. Um, and 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 I I don't you know in this case it was Montreal in the dead of winter, which is just hell on earth. Um, you don't know what cold is. Sorry, then. and then of course the whole time we're there, all the Canadians, the French Canadians, are like, "This is a very light winter." So am I. It was freezing. 
Um, but anyway, that helped. Everyone was like, how did you get into the sorrow? I was like, it was Montreal in the winter. That was like 80% of it. Um, I, 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 I had such the perfect dream job with Scrubs, and, uh, and, and after, now that that's over, I'm, I'm just looking to do things that really that challenge me. And, and uh, you know, I could have just gone on another uh, comic show right away, but I, I didn't really want to do that. I wanted to try things that were um, intimidating and different, and, and hopefully some of those, uh, you know, some of those will be tiny movies, some of those will be larger movies, some of those will be my own movies that I make. Um, uh, my first play is going to be produced um, this summer. It's at the Second Stage Theater. See how I got a plug in? Um, you should all come check it out. And um, so, you know, I'm just, uh, yeah, well, the, being, being contractually obligated to the show for so long, I, I, I didn't get a chance to do all the many things, I, I, uh, you know, all, all different types of things I wanted to do. So this is the very first one. All right, let's go to questions. Right here in the second row. Yeah, I'm just wondering from production side, what it was like working on this film. Um, How did you raise the money? What was it like shooting in Canada? Um, just how you sort of got the project together. Uh, yeah. Uh, fortunately, it was Canada, so the money, actually, the film was financed by Telefilm, which is essentially the government in Canada. Um, even though, uh, despite that, though, it was a long haul. It took a long time to get the money. You know, it was first feature, yeah, you know, it's hard to get people to sort of take a leap of faith on you, so it was about, f you know, five years, the whole process. Um, and then I think, you know, it's funny for me because I've been sort of back and forth with Canada and the U.S. Um, that you know, the systems are really different, and especially Quebec, which I think Isabel could talk to, uh, is, it's very specific, like Isabel in Quebec is a huge star, <laughs> and they have their own uh, star system there, and they have their own movies, you know, and they really have a structure that supports their own, their own provincial movies. So it's kind of amazing, because you go there, and the level of talent, and the actors, like Isabel, are just fantastic. We have a question on the way back. Yes, hello, Zach. Hi, my name is Philip Marconi. I'm an actor and a comedian here in New York. And I got to say, I have, it's, it's actually a two-part question. Is that okay? All right. Well, my question is this. Uh, number one, I think you make great choices since you've left Scrubs and even while you're on the show. But my question to you really is, how do you stay humble and how do you just find the right... I mean, I find that you don't seem like if I ran into you, you would be like, uh, I don't know. A douche? A dick. Yeah, basically. <laughs> And it's, it's not this, I mean, I've met other actors who are like, oh, unless you're famous, I can't talk to you. It's like, I'm by kryptonite or something, and they're Superman or something. Well, thank, first of all, thank you. That's a, that's, to me, that means a lot to me. And since my mom's here, I'm sure that means a lot to her, too. Um, I used to, I grew up in the business, uh, not, not professionally, but I, I was auditioning, trying to get professional since I was a little kid. When I got out of film school, I was working as a production assistant on music videos and commercials, you know, lugging gear. Um, I, I really got aware really early on um, how hard uh, everybody on a film crew works. And I, I saw, just like you, people that I couldn't believe the way they talked to people and how disrespectful they were. And uh, I, I just, I, ne I knew I would never be that, that type of person. Uh, so I am. I, I, I'm very. I'm. 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 I, I like to think that I'm a very friendly person. I. You know. It takes me and my girlfriend a little while to walk down the street sometimes because I do stop and say hi to everyone that says hi to me, and then the one time where I don't take a picture, the guy's like dick, and I'm like, shoot, I'm really upset now. But I. 
I try, I try really hard to be accessible and 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 uh, and, and and grateful. Really, most importantly, grateful because I I realize that uh, uh, you, you know I'm I only have the success I have because of the, the fan base that I've that I've you know got. Thank you very very much. Thank you. You can ask all the questions for the rest of this. <laughs> we have another one right here in the third row center. Hi, I just had a question uh, for Zach, really. I was curious, by you being a former film student, what advice would you have for upcoming actors and film students? Um, well, um, I get asked this uh, question a lot, and it's a very good one. And, and I, I think the most succinct answer I can give is that when I was in film school, we made short films, and they were great practice. Uh, now, and that's when we had to shoot actual film, and it was so expensive. Now, you know, you could, you could probably make a whole movie out of what you can buy in this store and have it look pretty damn good. So um, now, you don't ha now you guys don't have the excuse of saying, oh, we can't do it, it's too expensive, let's go back to playing video games. Um, you really have to, now, now the onus is on you to take action. And I would say um, get together with your friends and make short films and make them really, really short. Don't do what I did. My, actually, my student film in my senior year was 25 minutes and... It's harder and harder to get into a festival. A festival like Tribeca or, or Sundance or Toronto, they, they like shorts. They often program them before features. You know, I remember when Garden State was at Sundance, there was a three-minute short that was programmed before it, and it was three minutes long. It was really funny. It was a great idea. It made the whole audience laugh right before the movie. And the, guy got, the kid who made it got a lot of attention, met a lot of people, and it was a really good entrance. Um, so I always say my advice is, um, you know, really... Keep making short films. If, you're, if you want to be an actor, act in the short films. If you want to be a filmmaker, make them. Make them quick. Make them, uh, you know, learn. You know, learn. You'll learn every single time. And, um, and, and then hopefully when you get good enough, you'll get them into some festivals and you can start networking that way. And then, of course, the whole time, ideally, you'll be working on a, on a feature. Uh, if you're not a writer, work with someone who's a writer. That, that's what I did. I sort of, I had my whole strategy was one day when someone will listen to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this script ready for them. Question on the far right. Um, hi, I'm a little nervous. Um, first of all, uh, Mommy Braff raised a pretty good kid. Um, my question is kind of a two-part question. So I wanted to know what it was like for you to um, transition from television into film, and is there anything from, about JD that kind of stuck with you? Well, like I said earlier, J JD, there's a lot of JD in me. I'm a very silly, goofy person um, uh, most of the time. So that stuck with me. You know, after eight and a half years, he, Bill Lawrence, the, the creator of the show, kind of stopped writing. You know, he, very quickly, he just started writing us. Y you know, the, all the characters in the show were, were varying degrees of who we really were. Donald and I really are that close. We're very good friends. Um, we're even a little more homoerotic than we were in the show. Uh, um, so, so, so that's what I, I mean, I, I, you say, what did I take with it? I mean, it really, a lot of it is, is me and, 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 and who I am. And transitioning is, you know, uh, a challenge because obviously a lot of people know me from that. Uh, and, and, and one of the great things about this movie and, and, this, and the success it's having um, at festivals and now online is, is being able to show people that I can, can do other things. Thank you. Another one way in the back here. Hi. Um, congratulations on the film. I look forward to watching it. And uh, my question is, um, 
Ed Burns was here yesterday talking about his movie, Newlyweds. And uh, he also mentioned how technology is pretty much leveling the field as far as filmmaking is concerned. What is it about DIY filmmaking and doing it in that similar fashion that attracts you to maybe taking up such a similar project, shooting a film, say, for instance, $9,000 in the can and uh, bringing it to Tribeca Film Festival? Who like did, he did that? He did that? Yeah, he did. Wow. It's closing the festival. And, uh, but he's great. You know, I saw his film, uh, a film he made for a low budget last year, and I really liked it. I can't believe he made a movie for $9,000. That's in inspiring. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they call them, they they call they call them micro budget movies. I never heard of nine thousand dollars, but this we we were called a micro budget, and we were under a million. Um, but 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 yeah, I mean, when I was in film school, the Avid computer system, which is the which was the which was the standard film editing system computer, came out, and they were like a hundred thousand dollars. You know, and it was very exciting. We got them at school. They got three of them, and we had to take our turns, and you'd edit in the middle of the night because that was when your turn was. And now, not to keep plugging the Mac store, but I mean, you could you could you could buy a computer here, buy Final Cut Pro, and cut a movie on a laptop. I mean, just in ten years, the entire thing has changed. And, and HD looking so amazing. Uh, I'm sure that's what Ed did for if he did it for that little amount of money. So I think it's amazing because it, you, like I said, you can't you you have no excuse anymore. If, if your excuse used to be we can't afford it, you know, you can rally enough people, a group of people together, and and. And if your dream is to be a filmmaker, you can, you can make movies. Do you want to speak to that since you did a movie for such a little amount of money? Uh, well, I think, you know, one of the things for me, you know, particularly with this project is when I, when I watch other movies, even if they're low budget, the main thing is always story and performance. So, you know, it's great to have all these tools that we can run around, but it's ultimately going to come down to that. And it's just making it easier for us to do it. And I, you know, that I could go shoot a movie like this. But at the end of the day, I think it's, it's always going to come down to me, for, to story and performance. Yeah, no amount of mud money can save a bad script, you know? We've all seen that a zillion times, right? Someone spent $100 million and you just cannot, it's just a piece of crap. But then a great, a great script doesn't need a lot of money. Or so, you know, I, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is the movie Once, which I, which I thought the year that movie came out was one of the best movies of the year. That looks like they shot it on a cell phone, you know? Um, it, it, it's it, it's uh, sorry if the the DP were to hear that he'd probably be sad. It's beautiful, but I mean, it, you know, it looked like obviously a micro micro budget movie. So I think it, it's all about uh, it, you know you hear it a thousand times, but it starts with all about the script. And we have time for two more questions. The first one of those two right here in the back. Uh, my question is for Deborah. Um, I just want to know, at one point did you know that the script was finished and you went into storyboard? And did you always know that you were going to direct your own work? Um, absolutely, I knew I was going to direct it. I mean, I think that's in large part why you, you write. <laughs> you know, and especially with your first, because it helps you actually get onto the project as a director. You're using the script sort of as a leverage to be able to direct. Um, the script, you know, I, I don't know if there's ever a stage, like one of the things I find the, the most frustrating with scripts is that I think technically they can never be done. I mean, you could keep revising forever. And I think there's just a point where you have to st stop. And I think you do sort of come to an evolution where it, it feels like, okay, okay, I've finally sort of reached what it is. Um, but, you know, I, I look at it now and I could improve it, you know? I think I probably could do another three drafts on it and make it better. So I think it's just at some point you have to sort of come to terms with it and accept, okay, this is, this is as close as it's getting to what I want. Last question from the back left. We have a question in the men's room. <laughs> yes. Hello. Um, this question is directed towards Zach. I don't see you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 
Sorry, um, the light. I'm not an idiot. The light's really bright. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to say I really enjoyed the show Scrubs, and it was um, since it was such a long project over several years, and you filmed hundreds of episodes. What was the biggest challenge you had in filming this movie in 20 days, and how did you overcome that? Well, it's funny, you know, uh, when I'm interviewed, they often say, oh, what's it like to shoot so quickly? That's really the only thing I've ever known. I've never been in a big studio movie uh, where we were sitting around, uh, you know, you, you hear stories like, we, we spent the whole day on these two shots. I've never been in anything like that, you know. My experience is film school, um, serial television, making my own movie. Uh, you know, the, uh, the other two movies I've made or, or, you know, had slightly bigger budgets, but they were still moving pretty quickly. So it's all I've ever known is... is is you know they call it running and gunning, moving, moving super fast. This movie probably set the record because it was like, all right, did we? Is it was it in focus? All right, moving on. Uh, uh, you know, when you see the movie, it is, it is a small budget movie, but to see what Deborah accomplished in 20 days is really impressive. Uh, um, there's there's a you know there's a it's all over Montreal. There's a, there's a car accident. There's 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 a, there's a, you know, a lot of people in the cast. So. Um, I was. Um, it, it wasn't. It wasn't as foreign to me as it would be to someone else. Mostly because for eight and a half years we did an episode every five days. So uh, and then sometimes I was directing them. So directing them and acting them and banging them and really. And Bill Lawrence, who's the most competitive person in the world, whenever it was my turn to direct, he'd give me a script that was not possible to shoot in five days. He'd get, and I liked it because I wanted the mo I wanted the most epic episodes, but they, they were just you know they they were pretty ridiculous. So we would just do whatever we could to to just okay, got it, moving on, moving on. So that's most of my experience. Okay, right quick, tell us what you guys are all up to next. Go. <laughs> uh, well, I'm back to writing, so I'm working on another couple scripts, and you know just back in writing. I'm gonna go to dinner with my parents. Um, my, my play, uh, I, I, like I said, is uh, my first play is, is what I'm focusing on this summer. It's called All New People, and it's going to be at uh, the Second Stage Theater, which is uh, in the theater district this summer, June, uh, uh, J July and August. So that's what I'm, I'm focusing on. Well, for the moment, I'm writing and uh, composing for my fourth album because I'm, I have a band What's called... What's the name of your band? Give it a plug. Caïman Fou. That's it. Say it Fou. Caïman Fou. Caïman Fou. Yeah, so... We're uh, actually on, on that. It's funny because Isabel is a soft-spoken, uh, a little bit shy person, and then you see her sing in her band, and she's like a rocker screaming. It's crazy. Multiple personalities. Um, our movie, um, I, I, if I could just say before uh, we're done, that uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's on the web. I mean, it's on, it's on video on demand, it's on iTunes, and uh, it's streaming on Amazon, and there's all these ways to see it. So it's, obviously, it's a tiny little movie. Uh, word, it's all about word of mouth. So uh, please, please check it out. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to our guests for coming. Like Zach said, it's available. You could watch it now if you wanted on iTunes. You go there to Tribeca Film. You'll see the high cost of living available up there to rent in HD. How cool is that? This is the future, guys. We have other events happening all the time. You hit up apple.com forward slash retail forward slash Tribeca. You could find out exactly what they are. You could even download the Tribeca app for free if you wanted to to find out what's happening around the festival and here at the store as well. Coming up next, we have an event for you in just a few minutes for the film Last Night with Eva Mendez here. So please hang around for that because it's going to be a good time. So we have another event happening in just a few short minutes at 6 o'clock. Guys, thank you so much for coming. We hope 
hope to see you again in a few minutes. And even later tonight, we have more events happening. Uh, and tomorrow as well. They just, they don't stop ever. It's amazing. So we hope to see you guys. Take care. Have a wonderful weekend.